For more than 10 years, I've been traveling the world teaching English. My name's Matt. I'm an English teacher from the UK. And welcome to the Nomad English Teacher channel, where I help you improve your English by sharing my stories and those of English teachers and students from all around the world. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Matt, and in today's episode, we're going to be learning a lot of negative English phrases and idioms. I don't want to make you feel too sad today, guys, but it's important to learn them, right? So, a lot of high level vocabulary, slang, and idioms that express negative feelings and sad emotions. So, today we're speaking, we're moving on from Sri Lanka that we've been speaking about in the past three episodes, and we're moving on to talk about Italy. So, after Sri Lanka, I went and spent two months living and working in Florence in Italy. And let's just say it wasn't the best part of my year. We're doing something slightly different today, guys, and I would love to hear your feedback on this after the episode. So, we've invited a guest on, and it's my old student, fellow English teacher, and now good friend, Solomon. He's from China, from a city called Taiyuan. He's a really high level English speaker, and he's joining me on the episode today. So, as I tell my story of Florence and teach these idioms and phrases that we're focusing on, Solomon is going to be there to ask me some questions and check the understanding. And I hope that that helps with the listening for you as well and just makes everything. A bit clearer and also a bit more fun as well. So,、uh, remember to let me know what you think about this after listening today. But let's get into it now and、uh, I hope you enjoy. Let's go. All right, so Solomon, what do you know about Italy? You know anything? They speak Italian. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, are, are they crazy about? Pizza or something or something. Crazy about what? Are they crazy about pizza or something? Pizza? Yeah, well, maybe. I guess so. I think pizza is Italian food, right?、Um, so, yeah. yeah, they speak Italian and, and they eat pizza. That's two important things, I think.、Um, have you ever heard of the city in Italy called Florence? Florence. Sounds like a romantic name, but I, I know nothing about it. No? Have you heard of it before? I, I guess, like, very, you know, rarely I could hear about something, but I, I know nothing about it. So, is it great city? Have you been there? So, Florence, I spent two months kind of living and, and working in Florence earlier this year. So, after I finished traveling around Sri Lanka, It was back to work,、um, back to, well, this is not a normal life, but it was back to some kind of normal life again. So, for my girlfriend, Michelle, with her work, she needs to be in Europe for a lot of the year. And although I love Asia and, and other continents and, and they're a bit more exciting for me, we had to be in Europe for most of the year. So, We chose Italy and we chose Florence because Michelle had a, a friend who, who lived there. And、um, I'd never been to, to Italy before, even on holiday. So 
although I was really sad to leave Sri Lanka, I, I wasn't, I felt okay about getting back to work and um, quite excited to be somewhere that I'd never been before. So Florence is like, I don't know, it, it's, I don't think it's one of the biggest cities in, in Italy. You know any of the big cities in Italy? Rome, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well oh. done. <laughs> Sorry, that's the only thing I know about, you know, geography-wise thing about Italy. Okay, so yeah, Rome is the capital city, and then there's Milan. Milan is a famous one. You know Milan, right? Milan and Venice or something? Oh, Venice, yeah. So Venice is, is very famous as well. Florence, I, it's not one of the biggest cities, but it's kind of, I guess it's kind of medium-sized. Um, but it's really famous for its kind of art. It's, a, it's like an art city. So you ever heard of the artist Michelangelo? Yeah, I guess like in Chinese, I heard his name before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I might be wrong here, but I, I think Michelangelo was from Florence or, or lived in Florence. And in Florence, there are a couple of really famous art galleries. So if, if you're somebody who loves art, then Florence is like one of the kind of holy grails of the art world. You heard that phrase before? Holy grail? Holy grail, yeah. What does that mean? What, what's grail? So the holy grail, um, I'm going to be talking about something I don't really know about again here, but the holy grail was like a holy cup that maybe that Jesus was said to have used or something. And hundreds of years ago, people were searching for this holy grail as like a, a magical item. Okay, but the phrase, the holy grail today, it's like the number one thing to find or the number one place to go to. So I said that uh, Florence is like the holy grail for art lovers. It's like the number one magical destination that all of the art lovers dream of going to. Okay, so it's like the whole Florence is the holy grail for art lovers, we could say. Wow, this place is the holy grail for art lovers. Yeah, yeah. We could say that uh, Beijing, Beijing has roast duck, right? Exactly. That's a famous, a famous dish in... in uh, in Beijing. So you could say if, if you are a lover of Beijing food, roast duck could be the holy grail of all Beijing food. It's like okay. the greatest so, one, the most magical. Yeah, the roast duck is the holy grail of all Beijing food. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And Florence is the holy grail for art lovers. Now, I might be wrong there, and, and th because I am not an art lover. I don't know anything about art, really. And I think that's one of the problems that I had in Florence. I'm going to be saying a lot of things about Florence that, I, that might not be true, because I don't really know about it myself, even though I lived there for, for two months. So Florence is a really popular place for people who love art to go to. There are a few attractions in the, in the city. So there's a really impressive cathedral in the center of the city. It's called the Dormo. Yeah, it's cool. It's a really cool sight to see. 
there's also a very, very, there's a, a big river that flows through the center of Florence called the Arno River. And there's a bridge, a very, very old bridge that goes across it called the Vecchio, Vecchio Bridge. And this is also, uh, you know, a famous sight to see in the city. But apart from that, the main attractions of Florence are art galleries, seeing some famous paintings and, um, and sculptures. And also the region around Florence is very famous for wine as well. So Florence attracts tourists who love art, who love wine, and who love kind of classic European architecture and history. Any interest in those three things? Yeah, it's like, I don't know, for art, I, I always have the passion to explore more, but I have never begun. So <laughs> that, that's definitely something sounding really, really romantic and, yeah. you know, really gorgeous about Italy, about this city as well. It's, it, yeah, you used a good word there, romantic. It is a very romantic city, Florence. And, and actually, little story for you. My brother and his girlfriend went to, on holiday to Italy just after I left. And my brother proposed to his girlfriend in Florence. So it is very romantic. Do you know what I mean when I say proposed to? Okay, so I can imagine like propose coming like propose a a plan in the office yep. in a project yep. or something. But I guess romantically, it means other things as well. Do you know what? It's like usually the man does it on yeah. his knee, yeah, and saying that, "Would you marry me?" To yeah, an, to his partner. Yeah, yeah. So to propose to someone in that context means to ask them to marry you. So my brother proposed to his girlfriend. He asked his girlfriend to marry him in Florence because it's a very romantic city. Can you guess what she said? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's yes. I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she said she said yes, yeah. I, I, although otherwise I I probably wouldn't tell that story. There is another phrase actually in English which means to ask somebody to marry you. Do you know it? Ask somebody to marry you. Ooh, two phrases, two phrases. Ask somebody to marry you. Mm -hmm. You mean that ask somebody to do something and marry somebody? N no, so there are like to propose to somebody means to ask them, you know, um, will you marry me? But there are also two other phrases which mean to ask somebody, will you marry me? But these are more idiomatic or slang uh, phrases. Do you know any more? No, off the top of my head, no. Okay, so one of them, you kind of said it, it's to get down on one knee, to get down on one knee. Because, of course, traditionally, when you ask someone to marry you, you, you go down on one knee, right? So I could say, my brother got down on one knee in Florence, okay? And from that phrase, we know it means he asked his girlfriend to marry him. But another one, which is a bit more slang, is to pop the question, to pop the question, okay? So my brother popped the question in Florence. All right, and this one, it only means to ask somebody, will you marry me? So if somebody says, oh, he popped the question last week, 
it doesn't mean he asks you, you know, do you like <laughs> to eat fish and chips? Um, we know the question is, will you marry me? Wow! So gets down on one knee and、yep. pop the question. Yep. And more formally, to propose. To propose. Wow! Three of them and very useful. Yeah. And God, that's. Definitely great news and congratulations to your father. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll let him know. I'll let him know.、Um, yeah. So three three different ways to say ask somebody to to marry you. But anyway, to go back to the topic. Yeah, Florence is a very romantic city,、um, as proved by my, by my brother choosing that as the place to pop the question to his his now fiance. But、um, after after saying all of these things, it wasn't a great experience for me being there for two months, and that's down to a couple of questions.、Uh, sorry, a couple of reasons. So I'll start at the beginning, and then we'll go over some other ones. So、um, I've been talking about Sri Lanka in the previous three episodes of the podcast, and I think. I made it really clear that I absolutely fell in love with with Sri Lanka. I was on a real high, you know. It was one of the best trips I've I've ever had, and、um, I was having the time of my life. And then to go from Sri Lanka to Florence, it just felt like I、um, from going from being on a real high suddenly to a real low. So we arrived in Florence in in April. And、um, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was cold and and wet, and kind of like England. And then the big problem was the accommodation for us. So when we stay somewhere for a long time this year, we've used Airbnb. And you know, before you arrive at the Airbnb, you never really know what you're what you're going to find, right? You can only look at pictures and reviews. So every time we go somewhere for two or three months, when I'm about to arrive at the Airbnb, I always have butterflies in my stomach, because if the Airbnb is good, usually it means we're going to have a, a good time for a few months. But if it's really bad, then it's it's not a good experience. Do you know what I mean when I say I have butterflies in my stomach? Wow, this sounds really strange. Yeah. Freeze and have butterflies in your stomach. I assume it doesn't really mean you got butterflies in your stomach, right? No, I didn't eat any butterflies. No, that that's for sure. Can you guess what it means? Okay, so mention that you got butterflies in your stomach before you arrived the Airbnb apartment.、Mm-hmm. So I assume it's to do with being worried, nervous. Yeah. Or, you know, feeling anxious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you have butterflies in your stomach, it means you're quite nervous about something that that's going to happen. So, maybe the day before a job interview, you have butterflies in your stomach. But for me, when we arrive at a new Airbnb where we're going to be living for some time, I have butterflies in my stomach because I'm nervous about how good it's going to be. You got it. Yeah, I got it. Thank you. That's so clear, and it's a very clear picture as well. You know. Yeah. I guess like when you get butterf- butterflies in your stomach, you could feel shaky a bit. Yeah. Like that's kind of feeling. So I guess that's how it's 
Ecstasias. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a very common story. Okay. Yeah. So I was feeling nervous, and we got to this Airbnb, and we were in a taxi to the Airbnb from the train station, and、um, we were going further and further out of the city center. And I was looking at the map, thinking, "Oh man, this place looks like it's in the city, but I feel like we're going out of the city here." And eventually, we arrived at a, quite a, a residential suburb, and、um, it was a very big house. And our house was kind of like the basement of this big house. So there was somebody living upstairs, the the Airbnb host, the owner, and we were living in this little house downstairs. Um, I mentioned there that the house was located in a residential suburb. Any idea what that is? Okay, so I know the words residence.、Mm-hmm. I guess it's something to do with where people live. Yep. And yeah. residential sounds like an adjective, and、mm-hmm. I guess it's to do with living as well. Yeah. Yeah. What about a suburb? Suburb. It's like the outskirts. Yeah, kind of. So it's not in the center of the city, but it's the neighborhoods around outside of the city. And you can probably guess a residential suburb is a, a suburb, so a neighborhood, which is where people live. So often in residential suburbs in in Europe and and I guess in America, it's only really houses there. Usually quite nice houses, but not a lot else. Maybe a park. Not so many shops, though. Not so many people, and、um, for a lot of people, that that's a great place to live, right? Living in the residential suburb is nice and peaceful. It's quiet, but when you're only in a place for two or three months, usually we like to be in the middle of the city because it's more convenient and you're closer to people. It's easier to get to know people, but. This Airbnb was in a residential suburb, and、um, when we went in, it was a really nice place. The house was beautiful, and the owners were really, really nice and, and very, very helpful. But we just we had a lot of problems at the start, and we really got off on the wrong foot. I think we got off on the wrong foot. Okay, you got <laughs> off on the、yeah. wrong foot. Yeah. Any guesses? I see. So maybe it's to do with getting wrong feelings or meeting terrible things or something. Not quite. It's about the start. It's about how you start something. So if you get off on the wrong foot, it means you start in a bad way or you start in a wrong way. We also say start on the wrong foot as well. So get off on the wrong foot or start on the wrong foot.、Um, yeah. So you you start something, but it doesn't go well at the start, or maybe you make a mistake at the start. All right. Got it.、Wow. Yeah, that's clear. So get off on the wrong foot or、mm-hmm. start on the wrong foot. Perfect. That's it. So. If I get, I can explain a bit more, we really got off on the wrong foot in this house because the Wi-Fi was terrible at the start, and that's a big problem for me because、um, I can't I can't really work. I can't teach if the Wi-Fi is poor, so that was very very stressful. Also, we were really far from like the supermarket,、um, from the city. It took about. Forty minutes to walk to the city, and about 
30 minutes to the nearest shop. And maybe that doesn't sound so bad, but remember when you don't know the city, you don't have a car, that's really inconvenient. So we really got off on the wrong foot because the Wi-Fi was really bad, um, location was poor. So it was a bad start. Slowly we started to fix the, the problems. So we got the Wi-Fi fixed eventually. We also bought some bikes online and that helped a little bit, but you know, it, it just wasn't a great start. And um, also to add to that, the apartment as it was in a basement was very, very dark. And you know, with my job, I spend a lot of time at home, working from home. And um, at times I, I just didn't see much daylight, you know? And that was, yeah, that, that didn't have me feeling great. Um, and also the weather, I, I feel like I moan about the weather a lot on this podcast. I don't want to moan too much, but when we first arrived, we went from tropical paradise in Sri Lanka to rain almost every day in, in Florence. And that reminds me of a nice phrase. So it never rains, but it pours, right? It never rains, but it pours. Any ideas? It never rains, but it pours. Yeah. Is it really to do with the rain, do you think? I assume no. I guess maybe also from the context, I, I assume it's to do with terrible things happening. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, one bad thing happening or? Maybe two, because like rain and pour or maybe, maybe like pouring is like a huge rain so yeah. maybe like oh maybe like it never rains like it gets very dry it gets the drought um but when it rains the rain is too heavy kind like, of kind of so if we say it's pouring when we talk about rain if we say it's pouring we mean heavily raining yeah really heavy rain so this this phrase this idiom it never rains but it pours it means when bad things happen, it's never only just one bad thing, or it's never just one small bad thing, but everything comes at the same time. So when we arrived in Florence, we had really real problems with the Wi-Fi. We were, the location was really bad. It rained every day. It was really dark, so it never rains, but it pours, right? It's not only one little problem, it's loads of problems coming at the same time all together. Okay, so it never rains, but it pours. This idiom expresses that when bad things happen, they always come at the same time and cause you big problems. Wow, that's so clear, it? but it's definitely, yeah, horrible, horrible thing. No, <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, it, it wasn't, we were okay. We were, we were living in Florence and I think we have to be grateful for that opportunity but like i say we went from paradise to having a lot of problems and i just didn't get settled in that in that place i was feeling down in the dumps to be honest quite down in the dumps and mm. to be down in the dumps means to be feeling really quite depressed quite low and often when you're down in the dumps it's like a a, a sad and a negative feeling for quite a long time I see. So to feel down in the dumps mm -hmm. is like not only feeling down, but 
fitting down for a very long time. Yeah, well, not maybe not a very very long time, but more than more than a day, for example. So we usually say, "Oh, he's been down in the dumps recently." It's like he's been feeling sad. He's been feeling depressed for for some time. Yeah. Mm, so when I first arrived, definitely the first month in Florence, I was quite quite down in the dumps, and the weather <laughs> the weather was a big a big part of that, I think. So, right, so yeah, I was feeling pretty down in the dumps. And to be honest, a lot of it was my own problem. I didn't do a good job of, of getting out of that, that feeling. Like I said, we were living in Florence and a lot of people would, would love to do that. So um, I should have been able to kind of appreciate that opportunity and get over those little problems that, that were making me sad. But sometimes when you're down in the dumps, it's very hard to get out of that, right? Have you ever had a time when you've been down in the dumps? And, and if you did, how did you get out of it? Mm, and that's a great one. So I guess I did feel down in the dumps for several weeks. Mm -hmm. maybe several weeks, maybe at least like one or two weeks, I felt quite uh, low because I was not very confident in myself after mm -hmm. receiving some bad feedback from my clients. Okay. And yeah, so I began to have terrible feelings and, you know, I felt like, okay, so maybe I was not good, you know, when people have this kind of ideas, like mm -hmm. things are beginning to go wrong as well yeah. and but i it, it took me several weeks to get over it as well yeah, yeah and my friends also gave me some advice to help me out and they also heard me out as well so that's really a great thing i guess yeah for people who are in a similar situation as well yeah, yeah. Speaking speaking to friends is a is a good thing, I think. And um, I think for me, it's about what I realized that all I was doing was working, and then kind of staying in this dark apartment and not doing the things that that I enjoyed. And um, this is why I, I think this is why I just didn't connect with Florence because it's a really beautiful city if you love architecture and if you love art. And if you love kind of man-made beauty, it's great for that. But that isn't, that's not really what I love. I, I much prefer nature. I think that's why I loved Sri Lanka so much because there was so much nature everywhere. And when I was feeling down in the dumps in, um, in Florence, I didn't get myself outside into nature enough. I, I just stayed in this dark apartment. Um, and yeah, for, for me, Florence was not my favorite place in the world because in the city itself, there wasn't so much um, real wild nature, um, not many parks that you could go to. Outside of the city, the, the region that Florence is in is called Tuscany. Tuscany. And Tuscany is really famous for having, you know, really nice green uh, countryside. It's got really nice countryside. But the countryside is kind of similar to the English countryside, which I love. But, you know, being there without a car, it was quite difficult to get out into the countryside for me. However, 
I did manage to pull myself up out of this um, dark mood a little bit um, when the weather started getting better in the spring and um, I started doing a lot of fishing and um, fishing in Florence for me was the saving grace of my time there. The saving grace. Saving grace? Saving grace, yeah. What's Heard great? No idea. What's great? Okay. So, oh, we've got a couple of like Jesus related or religious related phrases today. We talked about the Holy Grail earlier, right? Which exactly. is like the, the Holy Cup. Um, saving grace, a, a grace, oh, what is it? I don't know, actually. I think grace is like an, an angel, maybe? Let me, let me check this one really quickly, one second. Okay, so the saving grace is like the quality or the characteristic of something that saves it or that makes it acceptable. So let's say that generally something is not good or you don't like it, but it has one characteristic which is positive and this positive characteristic saves it and, and makes, you, makes it acceptable for you. Okay, so the saving grace. We could say that, um, I don't know, John is um, a liar. <laughs> Hold on. I don't know. Let's, let's change that. It's a bit strong. Let's say John is not very polite. He's a little bit rude. But his saving grace is that he's very good at sales. And that's why his colleagues and his boss can accept him. Okay, so like he's not a very nice person, but he has one good characteristic. He's good at sales, and this makes him acceptable for the company. So being good at sales is his saving grace. I see. Is it yeah. usually to do with like people, or we can also use it for something or somewhere? Yeah, anything, I think, really. Everything. Okay, so the saving grace of somebody or something is yes. a very, very good characteristic mm -hmm. characteristics yep. that can that can make other people like this person in some level or in some situations. Yeah. But yeah. apart from this saving grace, mm -hmm. maybe this person generally is terrible something. Yeah, I mean it depends on the context a little bit. Like um if we could say, for example, a, a dinner, let's say. Um, let's say la last night's dinner was not very good, but the saving grace was the dessert. Mm. Okay, so like the, the dinner in general was not great, but the dessert rescued it. The dessert saved it. So overall, it wasn't too bad. It was okay. Uh, yeah. And that's clear. So it says going fish, going fishing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Say, I forgot what I what I said. Um, so for me in Florence, um, when the weather improved a little bit, so at the end of April, start of May, you know, spring was was um, we were in the middle of spring. The weather got much nicer, and I managed to get outside into nature and go fishing quite a lot, and th that was the saving grace for me. So I um, quite a lot, a few evenings. Um, almost every week, really, I rode my bike down to the river. I, I said earlier, there's a big river through the middle of Florence, which is the Arno, the Arno River. 
and I found a, a really nice spot where I found some pretty big fish and uh, I managed to catch a few of them down there. I got some cool videos and pictures and um, yeah, that was the saving grace of my, of my time in Florence really, being able to do that. Um, so I think we've been speaking, we haven't said too much about Florence itself. I think on the next episode, um, I'm going to do one more episode on Florence because I was there for two months and I did do a little bit of traveling around Italy in that time as well. So I'll talk about that a bit more next time and also talk about food as well because you can't talk, uh, you can't make a podcast about Italy and not talk about food, right? Um, but for today, I wanted to focus on the fact that sometimes when you travel and especially when you travel long term, things are not always great. Things don't always go to plan. And I wanted to talk about how I was a little bit stuck in a rut in my time in Florence. I was stuck in a rut. But eventually at the end, by getting out into nature and going fishing, I managed to get out of that. Okay. Go on. Question. So, yeah. You said you were stuck in, in a rut. In a rut, yeah. yeah. I mean, as you were stuck in very terrible situation, something? Yeah, it's another kind of negative idiom, really. Uh, a rut, so it's spelled R-U-T. I actually don't know what a rut is. Shall we check that quickly? Let's do it. I know that, I mean, the phrase is, is quite common, but I don't know what a rut is. Let's have a Deep. look. Ah, okay, okay. All right, okay, so I, I never knew this, but apparently a rut is like, you know, if you've got a road and the road is the road surface is not very good and a lot of cars go down that road for a long time, sometimes where the wheels go, it will leave like a hole. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's like a kind of like a hole in the road. Yeah. So the phrase to be stuck in a rut, I guess it comes from, from there. Um, idiomatically, it means you're stuck in some kind of negative feeling or some kind of negative emotion and you you can't get out of it and it becomes a routine okay mm. so i mentioned that i got myself in this really negative um mental emotional state and it just became like a routine every day i found myself feeling really down really depressed and i couldn't get out of this situation so I was stuck in a rut, stuck in a rut. I see. So to be stuck in a rut, like you mm -hmm. got the very bad thing going on just as a routine as well. So it keeps for a long time. Yep. Stuck yeah. in a bad negative routine that you can't get out of. Yeah. So today we haven't, we've said a little bit about some attractions in Florence, but it's been quite a negative episode today using some kind of negative English phrases and, and idioms that you can use to describe negative emotions and negative situations. Um, but um, it wasn't all bad. And next week we'll talk a little bit more about some of the good things of, of traveling, of my experience living, working, traveling in Italy, and we'll focus on the food as well. Definitely. All right. Any, so we had a lot of pretty difficult phrases today. Um, some really good ones as well. Any questions or anything, Solomon? 
I think everything, first of all, was really, really clear, and the examples really were really memorable. And Good. yeah, it's like the the religious ones, as you said. Yeah, like the holy. What's that again? <laughs> the holy grail. Grail, exactly.、Yes. The holy grail and the saving grace. Nice,、mm. nice. Yeah, yeah. I guess like this kinds of religious、um, related English expressions can be quite new ones、yeah. for English learners from China as well. Yeah, and that's very interesting. You might be right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe some European languages maybe they have the same phrases in in their own language. I don't know. But I'm guessing, yeah, Chinese and other Asian、um, languages, I'm sure, will not have those those similar phrases. So yeah,、um, hopefully everybody's picked up a few new phrases today. Thank you very much for for joining me. That was fun, I think.、Um, and thanks to everybody for listening. If you made it this far, make sure you listen again next time because I promise it will be a bit happier next time. <laughs> But all right, let's leave it there. Have a great week. See you next time.